Hi, I'm Corny Rample. Today on the Mixed Morning Show, we chatted with a mom from Blue Menorah who had to isolate from her children in their home because she was tested positive with COVID-19. And now that we are in Code Orange in Steinbach, I also chatted with Steinbach Mayor Earl Funk and Education Minister Kelvin Gertzen. It's the Mixed Morning Show. We're joined on the Mixed Morning Show by Carly Mitchell from Bloomin' Nord. Good morning, Carly. Hi, good morning. So you were tested positive with COVID-19. Um, when did this happen and uh, how did this affect your family? Uh, well, I tested positive on October 19th, but uh, my family, me and my two young girls, um, they are going to be four and two, so still little. But, uh, yeah, we all just started displaying, um, you know, cold-like symptoms. And come the Saturday, the 17th, you know, we decided that it was enough to warrant and go get tested. So I brought uh, me and my eldest and just figured, um, yeah, I didn't want to put my youngest through the testing. I figured, hey, if we were both negative, she'd be negative. And we were both positive, then we knew she was positive. But uh, my oldest actually came back negative. And I came back positive, so it was a little bit of a shock. <laughs> that is bizarre. So you both had symptoms. You came back positive, and your daughter came back negative. Yes. So public health was thinking um, either a false negative, because apparently that can happen and is more common than a false positive, um, or that because they're young and, you know, in daycare and things like that, that they coincidentally might have just had the common cold at the same time I happened to be sick with COVID. Wow. So you are a young mom. You've got two beautiful children, and I understand you have one on the way. We do have one on the way, yes. Was there (laughs) any scare in knowing that you were pregnant and positive with COVID? Uh, Well, a little bit, um, but not overly. I mean, I did know COVID was a possibility. Obviously, it's the world we're living in right now. And I definitely didn't want to um, incur that while pregnant, but we can't choose these things. And it did happen. But um, public health was really assuring with me. And they just told me to touch base with my obstetrician. And it's actually kind of opened up a neat little avenue where I will be able to contribute to uh, Canada Studies because my obstetrician's office um, is actually following pregnant women who test positive with COVID if they want to be part of a study where they will follow up with me at birth and after birth and do some testing um, both for me and baby so they have some information on if it will like if it does affect pregnancy or what outcomes of pregnancies are that test positive with COVID because there's not a ton of information on that I guess Canadian wise with it being a fairly new um, thing that we're being you know inflicted with so right well that's not a study you really want to be involved in but if you are pregnant and you have COVID uh, what a great opportunity for you to give back by um, letting this information be studied yes yeah so, so and it's completely um, they did assure me like it's just an observational study so it's not very invasive but it's just pretty much following your diagnosis through your pregnancy yeah to see if there's any ill effects of it but. right so now when you tested positive, um, of course, this affected your work. You had to stop working immediately? Uh, yes. 
I am. Um, we actually stopped working. My whole family stopped working as soon as we started having symptoms. My husband, myself, and my two kids went into isolation, got the test done, and waited for the results. And then, yeah, when they came back positive, obviously, we all had to continue <laughs> with that isolation. Now, when you said your family was all in isolation, this isn't just, uh, you know, one big happy picture of you guys all together. You were actually separated from the rest of your family. Tell us about this. Yes, I was. So because I came back positive and my oldest tested negative, and then my husband and youngest would have also been considered close contacts, um, public health wanted to assume that they were hopefully negative at that point. Um, so they told me to isolate separately from them. So I moved into the basement because we're lucky enough in our home to have a separate bathroom and spare room and stuff. So yeah, I went into isolation away from them while they awaited to get their results back. And yeah, I spent five days down there without my two young girls. And uh, they're actually pretty amazing, though, how uh, little kids... They're stronger than you think. The first day for my oldest was really tough because um, she wasn't quite understanding it. And there was a lot of crying and wondering why mom couldn't come upstairs to give her hugs and kisses. But by the time day two rolled around, we kind of had a routine and she would just uh, yell at me from the top of the stairs. And we would talk and color pictures together while they were up and I was down. And yeah, so we, we definitely made it work, but it was still tough. I couldn't... Um, it was a big day and a nice day when I could uh, join them again, and uh, she hung on to me like you wouldn't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just so. picturing your daughters on one side of the door and you on the other, because I know the first time you and I spoke on the phone, I could hear your daughters uh, calling from the stairs. They like they as soon as they heard that mommy was awake, they were like, "Mom, mom!" That, oh, that yes, had to have been really bit. tough. Every morning was yelling down the stairs to see if I was awake and telling me when it was. Uh, dinner time and yeah constantly wanting me to sit and chat with her and uh you know just yeah do what we could to feel connected <laughs> so now that uh manitoba's codes are changing winnipeg's going to red the rest of manitoba's going to orange uh what are your thoughts on uh these steps that they're taking and what are your thoughts on people who don't feel we need to do this yeah it's definitely um it's almost become a bit of a political divide, which I wouldn't want to get uh, into too terribly. But um, Agreed. Yeah, it's, you know, tough. Like, there's a good majority of the population, like myself and my husband, that even though we've dealt with COVID, I consider ourselves very lucky because, you know, we're in the right age group. Um, we're healthy. As far as we know, we have no underlying medical conditions. So we did quite well having it and are all well they didn't have it, but we did quite well having it in the household. Um, but there's a lot of other people that you need to think about and worry about. Um, my grandpa being one of them who just had open heart surgery. So I don't think uh, someone like that would uh, fare very well with COVID. So even if it's not an issue for yourself, I think we got to yeah, keep others in mind because, you know, it's all we can do, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The sooner we all do our part, the sooner this is over. That's how I feel. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's so many unknowns with it, right? Yeah. Um, if it is ever going to be truly over, because if it is like, you know, a cold or a flu, it might be with us, and it just might be yeah, finding out how to move forward with it being part of our lives or, or not. But, yeah, 
I mean, I'm definitely not a medical professional, so yeah, I don't know where this is going to take us, but I hope that we can get back to our regular lives at some point. But until then, I hope everyone can stay safe. I'm hearing a little bit of scratchiness in your voice. Um, how sick did you get and what still lingers? Um, so uh, I just started off, yeah, the cold, like a stuffy nose, a bit of a sore throat and stuff. At my sickest, I did have more uh, flu-like symptoms, so I was having the chills, um, couldn't get warm, sweats, um, body aches, uh, but that's like the severe symptoms for me really only lasted a day or two, uh, upset tummy and things like that, but for the most part, yeah, we're feeling pretty 100%. We all have a little bit of a lingering runny nose, um, and that's just, you know, my kid's all came back negative so they just have a common cold and i apparently had covid but yeah we're all we're all doing good Uh, they'll be done their isolation they had to isolate from two weeks from their last contact with me so they'll be isolating until this friday and i'm actually technically now done my isolation because it has been 10 days since i was diagnosed and public health did clear me um for being symptom free for 24 hours now so mm-hmm. yeah any lingering scratchy throats might just be uh from being tired <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> i'm so and, yeah i'm so glad that uh, you're feeling better i'm so glad that it didn't get very serious and i really appreciate you sharing a little glimpse into a household uh living with covid for a period of time um not everybody has seen the inside of the house where this has been the case And thank Mm -hmm. you for uh, giving us a glimpse into your house. Yeah, I would like to give a quick little shout out to Blumenort if I can, because, uh, yeah, for Halloween yesterday, my girls got spoiled rotten by the community. So I had just kind of shared on our online community um, that we wouldn't be able, you know, to go out or participate. And we had uh, quite a few people come by in costumes and wave to the girls through the windows and drop off snacks on our doorstep. So, Oh, that's fantastic. That's what community is all about. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Carly, thank you so much. All the best with your family and with your new little addition. We're very happy for you. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. It's the next morning show. It's the next morning show. And we're joined by uh, Steinbeck Mayor Earl Funk. Good morning, Earl. Good morning, Corny. It is so good to hear from you. It was good to see you the other day at that uh, banquet, uh, the drive-through banquet put on by Steinbeck Christian School. It was good to see you there. It's neat that different organizations are taking different measures. Yes, it was so good to see you. You It was so neat about the banquet that they um, did something different, and they ended up selling more meals than ever. Yeah. It was was incredible. Yeah, so good. Hey, so now, um, starting today, um, Winnipeg is going into Code Red. The rest of the Man- of Manitoba, include, or southern Manitoba, I should say, uh, including Steinbeck, your city, is going into Code Orange. So as mayor, what are your thoughts on your city uh, making these new restrictions? Well, I, I just want to let everyone know that this is, this is temporary. The province has said uh, they're going to try this for two weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to encourage, is, is my, my message has stayed the same from the beginning. Uh, you know what? Shop local. Um, make sure you take you you check on your neighbors. Make sure they're good. You know, it, it that is the the biggest important thing is that we look we look local and we look at our neighbors, 
that we make sure that that uh, we're taking care of everybody. And that's just something I want to leave with this, uh, with with everyone at this time. Well, you know, um, in the last number of weeks, you know, you'd go into a store in Steinbeck and maybe half of the people are wearing masks, even in stores where they're saying masks are mandatory. Um, and and in, when I would go into a Winnipeg store, every person would be wearing a mask because they were in full coat orange. Now it's mandated that everyone is wearing masks in all of the stores. What has been some of the feelings that you're hearing from the stores um, and, and how is our community doing business-wise? Well, I think business-wise, our, our community is doing quite well, given the situation we're in, um, because I think people have looked local and are, and are supporting local, which is, which is incredible. But yeah, as far as the mask goes, it's just something we need to do. It's, we need to wear masks. Uh, all employees will be wearing masks. Once we're in the public, it, we need to, uh, we need to wear masks. I think at at certain times you can take your masks off. Uh, I know with uh, our city employees, once they're in their cubicle and they're or in their office and they are by themselves, they can remove their mask. But as, as soon as they they venture into the hallway or venture somewhere else to the classroom, they'll have to put their mask on. And that's just something we'll have to do now as we're shopping. We we'll just have to wear our mask, do our part. To, uh, to take care of this uh, this virus. As mayor, do you get a lot of phone calls and emails during this time saying, you know, because um, some people aren't happy with it, do you get people emailing you and messaging you saying you need to do something as if this is something that you've implemented? Yeah, we do. It's about 50-50 where, we've get, uh, where we get emails, uh, you know, to take restrictions off. We get emails to add more restrictions. So that's Generally, about I'd say roughly fifty-fifty, um, but but I guess that means, in my opinion, it means we're probably doing the right thing, you know, because you know if you've got fifty uh, percent of people telling you want uh, to do more and fifty percent of people to do less, then I, I think we're we're walking that line that we're, we're doing the right things. Mm. I haven't even thought of it that way. That's a good way to put it. We're joined on the Mixed Morning Show by Steinbeck Mayor Earl Funk. Um, Winnipeg has gone into code red. We've gone into code orange. Um, new restrictions start today in Steinbeck, like masks in all public uh, buildings and um, some other restrictions as well. Um, and Mayor Earl, you've been mayor now for a while. Did you ever dream in your wildest imagination that you'd have to deal with a global pandemic during your mayorship? No, you just don't think of those things. And, and really, it's, it's changed everything. Um, like, nothing's the same. Everything, it's just added a degree of difficulty to, to everything. Um, even, even meeting, even having meetings. Uh, like, it's just, you never would imagine that this, this would have happened, you know, during, during your term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's n- nothing that you can ever like imagine what happened. But now, as mayor of the third largest city in Manitoba, um, are you in contact with provincial leaders um, about planning and where things are headed? Do they consult you in any of this? Well, you know what they do. They keep us updated quite well. They're, we we constantly are getting uh, uh, messages from the uh, the like um, Minister uh, Squires and her office uh, and her deputy minister. 
We'll be meeting later in in November with uh, with her deputy minister uh, through a Zoom meeting. But okay. one thing we did do, and that's this is different than than normal. Uh, we had uh, in September, we uh, when the numbers were still pretty good, we we brought all the mayors of Manitoba together, and we brought them to MHV here in in our city. And we had a meeting, and we invited Minister Squires and her deputy minister, and we just asked pointed questions about restarting Manitoba and and funding and, and how this is going to look and how this is going to affect the cities in our in our in our our province. So that was uh, that was something very different that we normally don't do. We do meet as city mayors uh, yearly. We do we do have meetings like that. But this was a very this was different meeting that we would actually get together and with a focus of with COVID and restarting. Um, so that was that was actually very exciting that we could that we could all come together like that and and meet and and then discuss these things with with uh, with the powers of our province. Yeah, that's awesome that they include you with that uh, because it's it's those collective thoughts I think that help guide us in the right direction and. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna let you go, Mr. Mayor. I appreciate you taking time to uh, join us this morning as we go into a new phase of uh, this pandemic and a new phase of restrictions. And uh, any last words you want to say to your city before we uh, say adios? Well, I just want to uh, again one one more reiterate that you know what, just follow the protocols. These are these are provincial uh, guidelines and, and restrictions that are put on us, uh, and that. We as a city are going to follow them, and we just ask all the residents to follow them. Also, uh, to look local, shop local, and take care of your neighbor. Make sure your neighbors are good. It's just it's a quick text or or uh, a little phone call. You know, mental health is so important, and we need to make sure that we are taking care of those that that are around us and those that we love. Steinbeck Mayor Earl Funk, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Corny. Have a great day. You too. It's the Mix Morning Show. It's the Mix Morning Show. That's Liar by Camila Cabello on Mix 96. And I know what my next guest is thinking. Uh, it's 8-11 and in Steinbeck we are at minus 4. Uh, 16 degrees is what we're heading for and hoping for today. Um, and we are joined by, and this, I didn't play that on purpose, Mr. Gertzen. Yeah, uh, you know, Corn, like, Corny, I'm going to have to like put in some kind of request. Like, isn't there a song called like an honorable gentleman or a nice person or something, but liar, really? Like liar, that's the song you thought? I, I'm going to try to be more careful what song I play before we get a politician <laughs> on the air. Uh, oh, that is great. Kelvin Gertzen, our MLA and education minister joins us. Um, and, and here, you know, I gotta say, before we get into the talk about schools and Code Orange, um, yesterday there was that parade for six year old Merrick in our community, Merrick Hebert, uh, battling cancer. Um, we had a parade for his sixth birthday. Uh, the police showed up. They don't do a lot of parades anymore for birthdays. Fire department showed up with three trucks. They don't do birthdays anymore. Uh, they made an exception for Merrick. And I also saw Kelvin Gertzen and his family in that parade. I want to thank you for coming and being a part of it as well. Uh, we were honored to do it. So we, we saw uh, it on Facebook and uh, really, really encouraged how many community members came out to do that. Like, we're all going through challenging times. And I think sometimes one of the best ways 
to help yourself when you're going through a challenging time is to help somebody else who's going through a challenging time. And it's, it's the, the old adage of giving, right? That when you give, you get more back than the person you're giving to. And I think that's how everybody felt yesterday. We, I think it was a great way to show community spirit and all of our prayers, all of our thoughts and our hearts really go out to Merrick and to his family. And we're going to keep praying for him. Absolutely. Um, Kelvin, before we get into what's happening with the schools, now you live in Steinbeck. Your office is in, is in Winnipeg. Winnipeg's in code red. Steinbeck's in code orange. Uh, what are your thoughts on these new restrictions and, and how does this affect you? Well, you know, for me, Winnipeg's been in court orange for a while. And so I've been working in, in Winnipeg uh, in every day at the Manitoba legislature. Um, a lot hasn't changed for me in that way. I've been continuing even through the summer to be going into the legislature now. The House is sitting, of course. Uh, we're in the Assembly a fair bit, but with reduced numbers. So a lot of the restrictions that are now existing in Steinbach and in Hanover um, have been in Winnipeg for a while. Uh, so it doesn't change a lot for me personally. Um, but obviously, you know, monitoring the schools and continuing to ensure that we're doing uh, the best we can and following the advice of public health to make sure the schools are safe. And regardless if they're in yellow or in orange or in red or hopefully someday in green is, uh, is the important part. So, uh, and again, before we get to the schools, uh, with Code Orange, um, what would you like to say to your constituents as MLA um, as I mean, this is new territory for a lot of people in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you like to say to your constituents? You know, I think what I would say is this is a, a difficult time. And at the beginning of this, we talked about it being a marathon and not a sprint. And that's always easy to say when you're at the start line of the marathon, when you're full of energy. And I think a lot of people now aren't so much full of that energy. We've had a good summer, but it's getting colder now. We're into the winter, and it's looking like a long winter. And it may be a bit of a long and a, and a difficult winter. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But... Um, I do still think we have to get up every day, look at every day with optimism, focus on that day. The principle of living one day at a time uh, isn't necessarily a bad principle. Help those who are around you because that will help yourself as well. It will give you encouragement. I know that some of the public health advice sometimes becomes um, confusing for people. They're not always sure exactly what the the rules are. Um, But follow the advice because those who are giving it uh, are really trying to help you. Uh, and as you're being helped by them, help others as well. This is such a good and strong community and province and region and country. And if we all just kind of focus on getting through this fall and this winter, I have a lot of optimism for spring. Uh, and uh, I know that if we pull together, we can do this together. Yeah, and I, I love the way you word it. But, and, and one thing that makes it a little more difficult than an actual marathon is an actual marathon, you know exactly how long it is. You know exactly how much more you still have to run. And you can track your progress and, and what you still have to do. And we don't know where the finish line is. And that's what makes this marathon extremely difficult. That makes it more difficult because we don't know where the end is necessarily. But a marathon is very much an individual struggle. You really have to push through that yourself. That isn't the case here. We need to be able to help each other. And that isn't always, you know, lifting each other up physically, obviously, in this particular time that we're in a distance day. A lot of that is, is an emotional thing, calling people, writing notes, 
expressing positive thoughts on social media. And, you know, social media isn't always a barren of positive thought. And be that optimism that you want to feel. Because if you're that optimism, eventually it's going to take hold of you and take hold of others. Uh, Optimism is contagious, too. Not just the virus is contagious. And let's spread a lot of optimism. We're going to get through this fall and this winter and get to spring. um, But we're going to have to do it by supporting each other. Be the optimism that you want to feel. I love that. That is, you, if you want optimism in your community, be that optimism. I love that. I right. want to talk about what's happening in the schools uh, with our education minister, Kelvin Gertson, in just a moment. Louis Capaldi, what a powerful voice. Before you go on Mix 96, uh, is that a more appropriate song, Kelvin, uh, on our last chat this morning, Before You Go? Well, it, it, it's, it's okay. It's not like, you know, you know don't, don't, go, don't go away mad, just go away or something like that. But it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. It's 8.23. We're at minus 4. We're on our way to a glorious 16 degrees, something to look forward to today. And uh, we're chatting with Kelvin Gertzen, our MLA, also our education minister, and um, um, Mr. Gertzen, or Kelvin if I may, as I always have since I, you, we were in school together. Uh, high school. <laughs> high school and Penner Foods back in the day. Um, yeah, yeah. When uh, we're now in, Winnipeg's in Code Red. Um, the majority of Manitoba is going into Code Orange. Um, you're the education minister. What does this mean for schools in Manitoba uh, that are in these different codes? So it does mean a few things. I mean, both in, in orange and red, we've now encouraged um, more than we did even before for the schools to really look at that alternative spacing, so whether that's using gyms or, or other uh, areas that aren't being utilized in the school for traditional education to use that space to, to get more distance between uh, students. It does mean, unfortunately, you know, that indoor choir and uh, band with wind instruments isn't allowed uh, now, and I, I say that as a son or a father who had um, a lot of years of choir with uh, their their son. So that's um, unfortunate. Uh, field trips are postponed and canceled, but that in-class experience uh, for students as they've experienced since September is largely held intact. So I don't think for the average student they'll see much change from what they've seen since September. There are now more. Uh, options for remote learning. School divisions are able to provide to offer more remote learning options if they choose. But by and large, for those students who've been attending school and are going to continue to attend school, they're not going to see sort of a seismic change from going uh, either into orange or going into red. Well, um, I know that, uh, like, my wife works in a school, and I know they had a meeting uh, on on Thursday or Friday, whenever the word first came out. Um, that there's going to make changes, that each teacher was encouraged to remove every piece of furniture from the classroom that is not essential, like shelving or any tables or anything that would restrict the kids from distancing. Um, they had to now just purge the room, and, I, and I'm assuming that's across Manitoba. It, it is, and that's part of that, you know, utilizing that space. So if there's space that's unused or space that is being used, how do you get that, that greatest distance possible, hopefully two meters, maybe a little bit more, um, because that's what public health has been advising. So, um, I mean, that effort, I think, to some extent was already happening since September. It's a more intensive effort now, for sure. So some parents are asking, okay, with Winnipeg going into code red, we're going into code orange. 
why are they not making huge changes in the school? Why are they not shutting school down now? So this is where those, uh, you know, you're not just your wife, Corny, but, but others who are working in the school system, everyone working in the school system, really deserves a lot of credit because there is a lot of concern and anxiety, and, and some of that still exists. But for parents, and I'm one of them, is their students, as their kids went back into class in September. Uh, and we heard that. We heard a lot of that concern and anxiety. What the last um, eight weeks or so has proven to us, um, and particularly to public health, because they're the ones making the decisions about uh, what code we're in, what does it mean, is that there's been, while there's been a lot of cases in school, because there's a lot of cases in the community, right? Those cases then come to the school, but there isn't uh, a significant amount yet of transmission in the school. So we haven't seen that many cases, a uh, very limited number of schools where it is spread within the school. And so that means that the whole goal, whether you're in society or in your school or you're in your workplace, is to minimize that transmission of the virus. And in schools, it seems to be one of the more successful places thus far in our society in terms of minimizing that transmission. So basically, public health said, you know, teachers, principals, educators, administrators, EAs, bus drivers, janitors, they're doing a great job of minimizing that transmission. So let's let's let them, by and large, keep doing what they're doing because they're doing so well at it. So now, I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot here. Well, I am. But if they... Like, is there a line drawn in the sand now again? Is there a line drawn in the sand where they go, if this happens, if we get to this point, we're pulling the plug again and sending everyone home? So ultimately, we would listen to the, the advice of, of public health on that. So, and they don't look at just one thing that's happening, you know, in a, in a society. So it's not just the transmission rate, right? It's not just what's happening, you know, in one particular school or one particular cohort. They look at it as a whole, and then they have to wait the different things that are happening because, you know, remember that, you know, there are costs to everything. And if you close down the school, uh, there's a cost to that. That doesn't mean that those students are necessarily just going to go home, right, and, and stay at home. I mean, they could be going into the, into the malls because malls are still open. And is that a better environment than the school, which is proven at this point to be a pretty good environment for minimizing transmission? And then there's a cost to kids not being in school. So this is the great challenge, right, during this time is that, Every decision that's made has a cost on the other side as well, and it has to be that, that balance. There is great value to students being in school, and so you've got to always measure that against every other concern that's happening. I'm hearing the word balance a lot, and I think that's exactly uh, where we're at. Um, Kelvin Gertzen, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us. Um, I could have you on all morning. Very interesting stuff, and uh, let's, uh, let's do this again real soon and stay in touch. I really appreciate you. Yeah, best to you and yours, and I appreciate you and everything that you guys are doing. All right. Thank you, Calvin. It's the next morning show.